That's what it sounded like Wednesday when moderator Naomi Parnas welcomed the Canadian Jewish community to an online town hall. Sija, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, set this town hall up to gather input from Jewish leaders, but also from ordinary people who are telling their concerns and suggestions about how to tackle anti-Semitism. Ahead of next week's emergency national summit on anti-Semitism, that's the one we've been talking about for a few episodes now, the one Professor Erwin Kotler is chairing, and it's the one that was announced by the Canadian Minister of Diversity and Inclusion to address the spike in online and physical anti-Semitism that happened in Canada because of the hostilities in May between Israel and Hamas. And while we don't know specifically who's going to attend it because it's not open to the media, it's a pretty safe bet that you'll see groups like Sija and B'nai B'rith and the friends of Simon Wiesenthal, plus academics, religious leaders, and all of them have spent the last few weeks prepping their priority lists for the Zoom talk. Erwin Kotler already knows what's at stake. May this summit be not only an opportunity to address anti-Semitism in words, but it must be what it is intended to be, an action summit. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, July 15th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Wednesday was such a busy day when it comes to groups trying to come up with ideas to solve the anti-Semitism problem. There were at least three events around the world. There was this town hall I just told you about. There was one in Jerusalem where different Jewish leaders met with mayors from world cities to hear about programs they're trying on the ground at the local level to end Jew hatred. And the third one was a meeting of federal parliamentarians from countries including Canada and the US, Britain, Australia and Israel. They issued an interim plan on how to fight online anti-Semitism on social media. So we're going to do the podcast a little differently today. Instead of summing up other things that are making news in Canada right now, as I usually do, I'm just going to focus on these three events, and I'll give you the highlights from each one. Let's start with the town hall. Canada's Minister for Diversity and Inclusion, Bartis Chager, popped in to say that the Trudeau government is committed to helping the Jewish community feel safe. Anti-Semitism, whether directed against individuals or communal institutions, cannot and will not be tolerated. As Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has said, Canadians understand that diversity is our strength. We know that Canada has succeeded culturally, politically, economically because of our diversity, not in spite of it. Ottawa did introduce a new piece of legislation called Bill C-36 at the end of June. It will give the government some new tools to fight anti-Semitism, including adding a definition of hate in the criminal code and creating a type of peace bond that people could apply for if they are the target of hate speech. There would also be fines of about twenty dollars to $50,000, and the Canadian Human Rights Commission would be given the power to investigate complaints about online hate and bring down sanctions. Critics say the idea is good, but the bill wasn't passed before the summer recess, and if there's an election in the fall, it might not ever be. 
The other problem with it, they say, is that it doesn't apply to the big social media giants like Twitter or Facebook. And that's where the Interparliamentary Task Force comes in. They're a group of mostly Jewish MPs from around the world, including four Canadians, and they've been meeting for months with technology experts because, as far as these politicians are concerned, online anti-Semitism is the most dangerous form right now because it eventually leads to physical violence. Anthony Housefather is a Liberal Member of Parliament from Montreal. He's on the committee and he says Twitter and Facebook and other big social media platforms must be forced to tighten up their community standards for what can and cannot be posted. We need to have legislation in all of our countries that requires the social media platforms to be transparent about how they use algorithms. As we know, social media companies can use algorithms in a way that does not protect you under the Bill of Rights in the United States or the Charter of Rights in Canada, because these are private companies, not governments, that are using the algorithms. So we really need to know what they're doing, because from a business model, algorithms try to drive traffic to what interests you to stay on the site, which means that we have people who embrace the far right that are being sent to neo-Nazi and far right sites, Um, And we have people on the far left that are being sent to anarchist sites. And in fact, we have seen uh, through the course of our hearings from different groups that when platforms have tried to drive people who are on the far right away from the far right, they've sometimes driven them to anarchist sites on the far left. So we really need to understand very well from each of the social media platforms what they're doing with their algorithms. They have to be accountable. Um, A a second and, and very linked recommendation relates to disinformation. The evidence we have seen is compelling that disinformation leads to an increase in anti-Semitic traffic online in multiples. When there is, for example, a protest against vaccinations in Los Angeles, you see heightened anti-Semitic traffic linking Jews to the fact that governments are seeking to control people with vaccines. When you had the insurrection on January the 6th, you saw multiple times the amount of anti-Semitic traffic in terms of memes, in terms of uh, different types of posts online than you saw just days before on January 2nd or January 3rd. And this happens both on the far right and on the far left. Um, We need to find a way to tackle that disinformation. And I'm hopeful that our committee's first hearings, our first hearings that we may do will be on that issue because I think it will be elucidating for the public to understand just how disinformation works when it tangles with anti-Semitism and other forms of hate. And finally, and this is really finally, um, I think it's important that we all understand as well that there's national security issues related to anti-Semitism and disinformation. They are not just coming domestically. They're coming from Iran. They're coming from Russia. They're coming from countries we do not consider friends. And they are aiming to drive domestic instability and domestic turmoil by encouraging us to see posts that we think are coming domestically that are really from somebody abroad. This group also recommended urging Facebook and other companies to adopt the IRA definition of anti-Semitism. And they think Jewish groups could come up with a series of rubrics that they could give to Facebook and Twitter who could give it to their screeners who do all the evaluating and monitor community standards for what gets posted. That way, these screeners could better recognize the stereotypes and tropes and phrases that Jewish people know is anti-Semitism, but it's not as obvious to non-Jewish employees. 
So while one group talked about legislation and the second group talked about holding online companies accountable for what they allow to be posted about Jews, the third conference, and the one that's perhaps the most interesting to me, focused on education as the key to solving anti-Semitism at the local level. The mayor of Frankfurt, Germany, Uwe Becker, chairs this group of mayors from around the world who are already making a difference. Most of the people within communities don't even know any Jewish person and, and neither Jewish life. But everyone has an image, so there are many prejudices. And to come from the prejudice to at least the question mark is the first step in the field of education. And for that reason, we have programs like Meet a Jew or Meet a Rabbi uh, within our community where youngsters, Jewish youngsters, go to schools and present to their comrades that they for the first time see, at least by knowing that they see a Jewish person, they know the first time a Jew and they see that they have the same playlist on their, on their iPhone, that they have the same hobbies, that they go to the same places. So they see many things in common and they even understand that Ibrahim and Abraham have a lot in common too. And from traditions, from the way people uh, also practice their religious aspects of their lives. There are so many things that are linked together, not so far away from things that tear people apart. So we have on the one side to teach the understanding and the commitment to work for Jewish life and to transform and inform about Jewish life within your communities. And if there is a strong Jewish community, you should connect and speak with them also to open their gates for the those who are interested in learning about Jewish tradition, Jewish life, many people walk away, uh, walk aside, a synagogue, never go and enter it. So there's also like, even if there's a possibility to get in closer contact. The conference heard about some other interesting initiatives that Canadian Jewish leaders could certainly consider copying. For example, in New York, they bring Hasidic Jews into schools in a heavily Puerto Rican neighborhood so he can explain why he dresses the way he does. In Malmo, Sweden, where anti-Semitism was a big problem a few years ago, now the city and the Jewish community there have signed a covenant. That's the word they use. And for the past three years, there is funding for a Jewish cultural center. There are three exhibits on the Holocaust. And since May, a group with a rabbi and an imam have been going together to school classrooms to talk to the students. The recent visits were sparked by a case where a 12-year-old Jewish girl was being harassed constantly. Her locker had the words F Israel sprayed on it and Free Palestine. And the teacher didn't do anything about it for two weeks because she admitted she didn't have the knowledge to deal with the issue and not even address the TikTok videos about Israel and the Palestinians that 98% of her students were watching on their phones. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia, integrity, community, quality, and customer care. We'll be back Monday with a feature interview on why so many Jews from Argentina have moved to Canada, where they still hope for justice 27 years after the bombing of their community centre in Buenos Aires on July 18, 1994. Today's listener shout-out goes to Mr. and Mrs. Albert Hoffman of Toronto, whose daughter Elaine Fagg plays the CJN Daily podcast for them on her regular visits. And we'll end this episode back where we started, on preparations for next week's Canadian Emergency National Summit on Antisemitism with Professor Erwin Kotler. Antisemitism cannot be fought, nor can it be won by Jews acting alone. What we need is a constituency of conscience and of action. And that is the need for and the imperative, therefore, of such an emergency 
summit to combat anti-Semitism.